Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Family, before we get into the word of God, take your Bibles, lift them up. doesn't matter what form they take. It can be your cell phone. It can be your iPad. It can be, you know, the, the good old paper version as well. We're going to say this confession over the word of God. Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Your first image, loved ones, image that you have seen often over the past several sessions. We are talking about our vision, and our vision has three particular categories, and we're on the re-engage category. The goal for that category is this, re-engage life regardless of the fear or failure, and re-engage it without condemnation, knowing that if you fall in the process, your risen king has empowered you to get up. Where we are is we're a bookmark on this guy named Jairus, and he has a dire situation. His situation is that his daughter lay dying, and now he pleads with Jesus to come and revive his child. This is the way Matthew puts it in the easy-to-read version. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 18, while Jesus was still talking, a leader of the synagogue came, came to him. The leader bowed down before him and said, my daughter has just died. But if you will come and touch her with your hand, she will live again. So Jesus and his followers went with the man. Of course, we know that there are some things that transpired at this moment. There is a woman with the issue of blood, and Jesus healed her as well. As a matter of fact, the Bible says through her faith, she received her healing. Jumping down to verse 23, Jesus continued with the Jewish leader, so with Jairus, and went into the leader's house. He saw the people there who make music for funerals, and he saw a crowd of people crying loudly. Jesus said, go away. The girl is not dead. She's only sleeping. But the people laughed at him. Verse 25 begins with the word after. Everybody say after. Thank you, Lord. After the people were put out of the house, Jesus went into the girl's room. He held the girl's hand, and the girl stood up. And the news about this spread all around the area. Now, the punchline here is that Jesus came to do what Jairus asked him to do, and he got it done. 
Jairus wanted his daughter revived, and Jesus did just that. But our focus now, loved ones, is on that very first phrase in verse 25 where it says, after the people were put out of the house. Then Jesus went in. But let's look at this quickly in the Message Bible, just that verse 25 and how Mark and Luke put it. Next image. Verse 25 in Matthew chapter 9, the Message Bible reads like this. But when Jesus had gotten rid of the crowd, he went in, took the girl's hand, and pulled her to her feet alive. We see here once again, he pulled her to her feet alive, but it was not until after he got rid of the crowd. Mark 5, verse 40 through 41, he indeed says to her, Talitha Kumi, which being interpreted is, damsel, I say to thee, arise. But once again, he did not give her that command to rise until after he had put them all out. Luke chapter 8, verse 54, Jesus did end up saying, maid, arise, and the girl got up. But it was not until, as Luke puts it, he put them all out. Family, Jesus indeed, indeed accomplished what Jairus wanted him to accomplish. But he did not accomplish it until after he got rid of that negative, depressing, faithless crowd. Said bluntly, Jesus did not turn this little girl's life around until after he got rid of the wrong people. Loved ones, when God is doing a work in you, when he's doing that work to take your life and transition you, transition you from your old life and propel you into the new God-led life that he has for you, you can't be surrounded by wrong people. Your network can't be jacked up. Your circle can't just include anybody. For the Spirit of God to get in the inside and do what the, only the Spirit of God can do, God may desire you to only be surrounded by the right people. Because if you are surrounded by the wrong people, those wrong people now have the opportunity to sow the wrong seed at a critical moment, and that wrong seed now negates everything Jesus is trying to do in you. Therefore, the people in your circle matter. All the people in your circle, because, it, because they matter, fall into one of two groups. They are either the right people or they're the wrong people. Your next image. Recall we asked you to consider every individual in your life as a coin. On that coin, stamped on one side, are the words, the right people. On the other side is stamped, the wrong people. Everybody, everybody, I don't care their age, I don't care their relationship, I don't care their affiliation. Everybody in your life has a side of that coin that represents their true state in your life. 
and that person cannot be both sides. They are either one or the other. They can't be both. There is no gray. There is no middle ground. There is no coin's edge. This discussion puts a very strict requirement on you, a requirement that you need to look at and examine and explore and investigate everybody in your circle. And after you do that investigation, if you happen to identify a person or people whose coin, when it's face up, is face up on the stamp side that says wrong people, you need to then do something. You need to have the faith and the courage and the strength to guess what? To get those people out of your life. At a minimum, at a minimum, understanding that there are certain people that you're still going to bump into, just basically, it could be based on geography, that you can't completely eliminate them out of your life, but at a minimum, take the necessary steps, the actions to minimize, if not eliminate, their effect and influence on your life. Put together something that gives you some relational distance. Family, there is something that I want to say to you concerning wrong people. It's on the tip of my tongue. I want to tell you right now, so bad, but before we do that, let us just spend some moments in this session going back to Jairus in this whole situation and extracting some key insights, some additional information from that account. It will help dearly when we get to what I really came to tell you today. Here we go. We're going to do it in Matthew. Because we've gone through this account several times, we're going to jump right in at verse 23. And for the most part, we are dealing with verses 23, 24. I can't remember if 25 is in there, but we're pretty much right here today. Matthew chapter 9, verses 23 through 24 in the Message Bible. By now, they, meaning Jesus and his crew and the folks, had arrived at the house of the town official and pushed their way through the gossips looking for a story and the neighbors bringing in casseroles. Jesus was abrupt, clear out, exclamation mark there. I like the firmness. Jesus was abrupt, clear out. This girl isn't dead, she's sleeping. They told him he didn't know what he was talking about. Family, you have to be able and willing to clear out the wrong people from your circle. And when you clear those people out, notice the word there. You need to be abrupt, not nasty, 
not offensive, not, not, not some kind of ma ma malicious rolling your neck and all that kind of carrying on, but abrupt. When we say abrupt, what we're meaning is you need to be firm and certain about your decision. Even if it hurts you emotionally to do so. You need to be firm and certain about your decision. Get this, even if it pains them. When someone is abrupt, and I'm asking you to be, but I want to make it clear. What we're talking about in being abrupt is firm and certain about your decision and not tiptoeing around the issue. Firm and certain about your decision and not coming across as if you sitting on the fence. Firm and certain about the issue and not appearing as if you are unsure about the words that are coming out of your mouth. Doggone it, family. Not being abrupt in your discussion, not being plain in your words is the very reason why we got so many people who get stuck in these smoochy-smoochy, kissy-kissy, lovey-dovey, boyfriend-girlfriend situations for way too long. When somebody was in there having their discussion, instead of being abrupt and plain and firm, they were something different. Instead of making it clear that we are not a thing, or we have never been a thing, or we are no longer a thing, somebody tiptoed around the issue. And so now they end up still in the relationship with the wrong person. You know, as an example, when she makes a decision and then she conveys to her girlfriends what she told him, when she's talking to her girlfriends, the message she's delivering is real firm and certain. And I, just, to, just to get us all involved, I want y'all to say something for me. You know how when somebody tells you something is, is, is really, really good and juicy, and, 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 and you say, what? <laughs> I want y'all, just, just say, what, on the county, just say, what, one, two, three. What? Okay, that's one, that's one. <laughs> and, then, and then sometimes you, you will say, you didn't. So I want y'all to say, on count, one, two, three, go. Okay, now here's what we're going we to we do this. I want you to say those things when I point at you. The first one you're going to do is say, what? And next one you're going to say, you didn't. Okay, here we go. So here she goes. She's talking to her girlfriends about what she said. She go over to the house and she said, girl, I told him it was over. What? And she said, yes, girl, I sure did. I told him we was through. I told him this little game we've been playing, we ain't going to do this no more. I actually told him to lose my number. 
yes, I sure did. I told him to lose my number. I told him I was blocking him off of all my social media and that I don't want to see his face no more. He can just turn away and walk away. We are done, hunty. You, I'm over, O-V-E-R with a capital letters. Girl, pull me up some of that, what you sipping on, and we finna get down and have ourselves our own good time. Because me and him, is history. <laughs> now, that's what she tell her girlfriends that she said. But if you could have actually been when she was talking to her, to that guy, what you would have heard was a lot of, lot of, I don't know, maybe, probably. No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, if you want to, I, I think I, I, I'm confused. I really don't, I don't know. That's not what I'm, I still think you're cute. No, I, no, I don't, no, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I, I don't, well, I really don't know. Well, uh, maybe, okay, well, next week, I might be able to, I don't. That's what you heard. That's what you would have heard. Girl, you sound like you're on the fence to me. You're not firm in your communications. You're very uncertain. Of course that man thinks you are still a thing. Of course that man thinks you still have, he still has a chance with you because everything you're communicating says to him that he has a chance. Oh, family, I'm hitting it. I'm hinting at something today. Right now you're getting a hint. Later you're going to get a direct statement. But yes, he thinks you are still involved because you did not provide abrupt, plain communication like the lie you told your girl. That's not what you told him. Tell me this. Why would a dog leave the yard when the owner continues to throw it a bone? That ain't a Smithism, but it's going to be one starting a day. <laughs> He's still sniffing around your cookies because you keep displaying them and dangling them as if he can have one. That's why you get stuck in these relationships that you shouldn't because you're not having abrupt, plain communications. That man's not after you for no reason. You're giving him a reason. You're not firm. You're not certain. To get the wrong people to clear out of your life, you need to do so and make motions and give messages that are abrupt, firm, certain. Not tiptoeing around the issue. Not looking and feeling wishy-washy. Not sitting on the fence. Not acting as if what you're saying out of your mouth is something you don't even believe. But it's not just my ladies. It's my fellas too. Yeah, who, who? And that's exactly the bravado that they, that they display when they talking to their boys. Yeah, dog. I told old girl we was through. Mm-hmm. I sure did. Told her right to her face, too. 
first thing in the morning. Oh, y'all messed it up. No, you didn't. Okay, hold on. Go ahead, get me with it. I sure did. Told her to stop calling me, stop coming to my job, don't show up at my apartment no more. I don't want to go out with her no more. I don't want to see her face. Told her to keep walking till she hit the East Coast. You feel me? It's over, dog. I don't like the way she treat me. I don't like the things she do. Listen, there is something else out there for me that's better, and we done. I told her, and we over. That's the, 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 the lie he told his boys. But when he was talking to her, you know what he was talking about? Well, you know, girl, I don't, no, not really. I, I think we can, yeah, next week I might have some time. I don't know. Yeah. You know what? No, I still, no, I do, I still, still, I still, still, I do care for you still. No, don't cry, don't cry. No, no you know what? Yeah, I tell you what, I tell you what, let's talk about it again tomorrow. No, call me. Yeah, you can call me. It's what you, what you, you want to go out to eat? You want to go, yeah, you can, come on, we can still, we, no, we can still hang out. What's, what's, no, listen, I, that's not what I'm saying. No, I still think you're cute. I still think you're cute. Yeah, I think, I, of course, she thinks she still has a chance. Because you are not communicating the message firmly and with certainty. You continue to drop signals that says she can still be in a relationship with you. Tell me, we used the dog analogy before for the, with, the, with the girl and the guy. What about this one? Tell me, why in the world would a kitty cat stop climbing on your chest and purring in your ear when you keep stroking its fur? Oh, I'm hitting at something. She's not, she not trying to get all up in your space for no reason. You're sending her signals that she can come, come that way. If you are looking to get the wrong people to clear out of your life, you have to do so with plain, abrupt, firm, certain communication. Same verses, except in the voice. Matthew chapter 9, verses 23 through 24 in the voice Bible. Then Jesus went to the official's house. He saw flute players and mourners. Jesus said to the crowd, go away and do your ministering somewhere else. This girl is not dead. She's merely asleep. He says here, go away in this version, which is essentially it's the same thing as clear out. But I love this wording that the voice version puts in there that we're going to use right now. It says, not just go away and do your ministering somewhere else. When you ask somebody to clear out of your life and to go away, you're not asking them just to step away. You're ask, asking them to go and do their ministering somewhere else. What is ministering? Ministering is the way somebody 
tends to another person. Ministry, that's it's the actions that people go through while helping somebody else. Therefore, by default, when you're ministering to me, that involves the way you talk, it involves the way you act, and it involves the way you think. Consider this. Let's say Kelvin is ministering to me. It's not practical, it's not even realistic for me to say that I'm going to separate Kelvin's, the essence of who he is, from his help. Because when he comes to help, he comes to help. Who he is shows up to help. How he talks shows up with him. How he acts shows up with him. How he thinks, it shows up with him. Ministering, by default, loved ones, includes the essence of the person or persons doing the ministering. This allows me to point out a very subtle but important nuance to ministry. And I began by asking you a question. It's not a trick question. The question is this. In all the versions that we read, all these people that are doing what they're doing, the flute players and the mourner, mourners and all this stuff, the people who are doing their ministering here, do you think the intent of these people doing their ministering is to be insensitive or malicious? What's the answer? No. no. Let's hear it. Say it from your chest. No. no. Doggone right it's not. It is not their intent. These people do not think that they're doing anything wrong. In fact, they're only doing what they have always done. I'm hinting at something. The wrong people in your life do not think they're in your life doing anything wrong. In fact, those people most likely are just in your life doing what they have all ways done. They are ministering the way they always have. However, the way that they minister to you, the way that they tend to you, the way that they help you, the way that they are involved in your life is not good for you. Look at what Paul put in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, easy to read. Don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Each and every one of us, if you're, if you're a frequent attendee here, 
you know that we don't necessarily just want to pluck a single verse out of a chapter of scripture and make a big context out of it because there are verses before that, after that, chapters around that, that give you the full essence of what the author is saying. However, this text here directly applies to us. And so we're going to take the wording and say to you that we say bad friends here, but we can also say, based on how we're discussing it, the wrong people will ruin good habits in you. Before we expound a little farther, let's go and see what the Amplified Classic says in this verse. The easy to read says bad friends ruin good habits, but the Amplified Classic says this, do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communion, associations, corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Loved ones, the longer the wrong people are in your circle, in your life, in your network, and they continue to do their ministering, they are corrupting and depriving you of good manners and morals and character. They may not even be aware of it. Newsflash, you may not even be aware of it. But the way they minister affects you negatively. The way they talk <coughs> corrupts you some way. The way they act corrupts you some way. The way they think, it corrupts you some way. It affects you in a variety of different ways. When we think about those ways, you may not even be aware of it, but loved ones, you, when these people around are not even you, You're not you when they're around. You're somebody different. And I'm not talking about a good different. You're just not the same. I'm talking about you could be mentally and emotionally on cloud nine until they show up to do their ministry. And the way they talk and the way they act and the way they think has a, an immediate and noticeable downward effect on your joy. You were not like that before they showed up. Spiritually speaking, you could be moving yourself towards being 
a person of greater, more, higher faith until they come around. And they come around doing their ministering and the way they talk and the way that they act and the way that they think begins to work you from a place of faith downward to faithlessness. The wrong people corrupt and deprave the good manners and morals and character in you. And it's not just the you-you. These people negatively influence your physical space. Have you ever been in a group of people, you know, you're at the barbecue, you're at the the party, you're, you're at the celebration, and everybody's just having a good time. People laughing, people high-fiving, people hugging, people smiling, and then they show up with their ministering. And the way they act and the way they talk and the way they think sucks all of the joy out of the room. They just wreck the vibe. The wrong people, family, they corrupt and deprive you of the good qualities of life that God wants you to have. Not just you, you, but even your space. They mess up inside and outside. The wrong people are just not good for your circle. And when we're talking about the wrong people, keep in mind, family, we're not necessarily trying to wreck anybody's life. Say something with me. Because if you don't get it, that the wrong people can corrupt you on the inside, you won't take it seriously to clear out and get rid of the wrong people from your circle. Say this with me. Because the wrong people can corrupt my good habits. That is the reason why the wrong people need to just go away. And sincerely, by sending these people away, we mean them no ill will. We don't mean these people any ill will. All we're asking, all we're requiring, all we're commanding, all we're demanding, all we're requesting is that these people go and do their ministering somewhere else. We don't care where you go. 
we got to please, no, we can tell you where to go. But, you know, we good Christian folks, so we ain't going to tell you where to go. But as far as your ministering, we don't really care where you go and, and with whom or to whom you do your ministering. We're just saying, just no longer bring your ministry activity to us. We've talked a lot about the wrong people and their traits. Give me my next image. But now, family, it's time to turn that mirror inward. I have hinted, I've told you that I had a thought, something that I wanted to share. And there are many more wrong people and by the, and just frankly right people traits that we can extract out of the same passage of scripture. But I think we've talked about it enough. We've reached the point to where I can give you what I want to tell you. I've hinted at it several times. But now, keeping in line with this abrupt, plain type of talk, I believe we can give you, I can give you this direct statement. And no longer hinting. Just straight, bitter medicine. Let's do it. Loved ones, most of the time, the wrong people are present by your permission and are just doing what you have always allowed them to do. One more time, because it's by permission. Most of the time, the wrong people are present by your permission and are just doing what you have always allowed them to do. Those people in your life, loved ones, are wrong by permission. And that permission is yours. Most people that have wrong people issues have wrong people issues because they have allowed the wrong people to be there. They have allowed the wrong people to thrive in their presence. They have allowed the wrong people to set up camp in their circle. They have allowed the wrong people to become commonplace in their network. Knowing that the wrong people are present by permission, family, it places the responsibility squarely where it lies, with you. The responsibility is yours to do what's necessary to get those people out of your circle. A word of warning, though. 
it's not necessarily easy to get the wrong people out of your circle when you have given them permission to exist for so long. It can be a challenge. And I'm going to present this challenge to you with this analogy. Please give me my next image. Because it can be a colossal effort to get the wrong people out of your circle. But it's an effort you must take on. What is my analogy? Well, let's assume that there's a parent with a child. And just to make it personal, let's say that you are that parent. I'm not calling you that parent in reality. I'm saying this is play play. <laughs> Nobody take it personal if you have a child. But assume you are the child of this parent. And it's a young child. You had the child from birth child is now a toddler, and that child is displaying habits and traits and manners and character that are not good. But because you, you know, maybe you're one of these new age parents, and you, you know, you, you want to talk to your child and let them reason it out, and you, you think this is cute right now. You don't apply the proper discipline. You don't set up the appropriate guardrails. You don't make the proper adjustments. And by adjustments, just doing what you need to do, however you do it, to make the corrective actions early so you let it continue. The child goes from a toddler and begins school, and you still are allowing them to do whatever it is they want to do. Middle school, high school comes around. Now, guess what? The child has been allowed to be however they want to be for so long. Their character now has those qualities ingrained. It's not just a simple, let's make adjustments now. All of that bad stuff, if we can use that word, that you saw as a youngin in them now has become part of who they are. The way they talk to you and the way they talk at you, it's not acceptable. But in their eyes, it is acceptable because you have always accepted it. The way they act around you, the way they act towards you, it is unacceptable. But it is very acceptable to them. Why? Whether you want to believe it or not, it's because you always accepted it. The same applies and can be reflected on you and these wrong people. These wrong people have been in your circle being wrong 
doing things that corrupt your good manners, your good, your good character, your good morals for so long. And now, after all this time, you're wanting them to change. Of course they talk to you how they talk to you. Of course they act like they act around you. Of course they do all the things around you like they do. Even though you sitting there thinking it's unacceptable, they don't think that way. They think it is acceptable because you always accepted it. You talking to them, and they baffled. What has changed? They the same. They haven't changed. Shoot, I've known you from way back. We've always, and I've always, why you acting brand new? What's going on? I'm the same. I haven't changed. They're ingrained in your life, in their mind, because you have always accepted the person and their actions and their words as they presented it. And they're saying, I ain't changed. They fail to realize that it is not about a change in them. Although this decision that you're making to get these people out of your life, it involves them. But they are not the focus. The focus is you and bettering your life. You are the focus. You are the one that wants to step into the new. You are the one that has to clear your camp in order for the spirit of God to come in and do what only the spirit of God can do. Remember, Jesus did not just rush in and revive the girl. Because to revive that girl with all that negative chatter would have been working directly against what he wanted to do. He first got rid of the wrong crowd. In order for you to have God do in you what God wants to do in you, it behooves you to get rid of the wrong crowd. You mean to tell me, Pastor God, can't? you know that God can do anything God wants to do, but God needs... Ooh, you, ooh, ooh, folk, look at here. I got to gather myself because I want to make, because we are recorded. One of the most successful tricks of the devil, this is your pastor speaking. I, 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 I pray you can, in your spirit, find a scripture that matches, but I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. 
one of the biggest tricks of the devil is to get us to assume that God will do anything under any circumstance. Yes, he created the heaven and earth. He hung the moon and the stars. Yes, he can go into your rotten circle of people where you stand and create in you a clean heart. But, and we'll get to this in, a freak, in another session, but if God is pouring in good, and they're still standing around pissing in your cup. It still turns out to be bad water. We get, we get this thing in our, in our mind that God will do it. And God can do it. But you got a part to play. Get the mess out of your life and keeping the wrong people around you. Every time he puts in something good, they put in something bad. Every time he puts in a positive, they put in a negative. Every time he lifts you up, they take you back down. Why be on that roller coaster if you don't have to be? Go up, stay up. Yes. Yes, God can do it. But why have the wrong people in your circle? The whole point of us going through that analogy with Christ is to tell you that even Jesus realizes that if I go in there to try to do a healing around all this unfaith, that more than likely this girl is going to die. When God is looking to revive your life and get you to re-engage, but you keep keeping around you people that make music for funerals and that mourn and that complain, and then you sit back and wonder, God, why am I in the same place? It's because you keep these anchors around your ankle instead of letting God free you. But first, get rid of those negative wrong people. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. You have to be willing to say goodbye. I know it's so hard. I'm not going to do it. But loved ones, <laughs> you got to, you got to say, you, you got to, you got to say goodbye. You got to be willing to do it. I want you to say this with me. Say this with me. 
what the wrong people don't realize, don't realize is, is my decision, my decision is, about the is about the change I want to make, want to make in, me. in me. So here we are with these people who are wrong in your space by permission. When you go to make your move, know that you are you most likely going to get some pushback. I'm not talking about little soft, wimpy pushback. Remember, these are people who have been in your circle for quite some time that have been allowed to do whatever they want to do for quite some time. I don't want you to be surprised if you hear a variety of different things come out of their mouth. One of the things you might hear is what the scribe, the Pharisees and these other religious folk once said to Jesus. Remember when we were talking about Jesus healed the man that got lowered down through a roof? In the midst of him healing this man, look at what these folks say. Give me this image, please. This is Luke chapter 5, verse 20 through 21 in the voice. In this way, meaning the way they lowered this man through the roof, their faith was, vi was visible to Jesus. He was impressed that these four friends would do all they did to get their paralyzed friend before him to get healed. Jesus said to the man on the pallet, my friend, all your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and religious scholars were offended at this. They turned to one another and asked questions. The Pharisees and religious scholars said, who does he think he is? We just want that sentence right there. When you go to get the wrong people out of your life, they going to ask you, who do you think you are? They going to talk to the other folk that they know when you're not around. Who do they think they is? Not are, who do they think they is? Because they, 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 when they frustrated, grandma go out the window. They can have a PhD in English and grammar, but when they upset, the ebonics take over. The if-in and the other, the, all them words come out. But, but who do you think you are? I'm not good enough for you anymore. Are you too good for me now? Oh, you reading your Bible now, now you too good for me? Am I too much of a sinner for you? Hey, truth be told, you are ruining my morals and my good character. But they're going to... Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? 
I'm the same person. I helped you when nobody else helped you. Who do you think you are? You too good for me now? Loved ones, while you are feeling that pressure, there is something that I want you to keep locked up into your heart. I want you to keep a firm grasp on it in your mind. This right here. Loved ones, it is okay for you to conclude someone is not good for you. It is okay. And I want us to personalize that thing. I want you to take whichever hand you want and place it across your heart. And I want you to say these words. Say, it is okay, it is okay. for me to conclude, me to conclude. Someone, someone is not good for me. That is, now I, I, I don't want, don't move past that. It is okay. Because in order for you to be strong enough and mature enough to escort the wrong people out of your life, you have to settle it in your own heart, mind, and spirit that it is okay for you to conclude Someone is not good for me. That is not a bad thing. Just like you are responsible for that person being in your life, doing what they want to do, you have the same right to conclude that this person is not good for me. And when you're talking about that, understand that it doesn't necessarily require some long, in-depth explanation as to why. Some people, they just may be people that's around, and you can just make the decision and never have to talk to them. But if an explanation is what is required or necessary or appropriate, keep in mind an in-depth explanation is not necessary. Pastoral disclaimer here. And I didn't want to just say it. I wanted to show it to you. Notice. This is my disclaimer. While you're going around getting rid of the wrong people, I am not suggesting that you be an insensitive, cutthroat barbarian regarding other people's feelings. No, I'm not saying that. No, 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 I'm not. I am not saying you throw caution to the wind and go out there like Samurai Sam and just be cutting people down to get your life right. Remember, we don't mean these people any ill will. It's about you wanting a change in your life. 
It's about you knowing that you are okay, and it is okay, with you concluding that someone is wrong for you. Now go back up to my, that disclaimer being stated, go back up to my previous image. Family, some conversations and explanation in many regards will probably happen. And when you are giving that explanation, remember, you are to be as plain and succinct as possible. I'm talking about not sitting on the fence, not tiptoeing around the issue, not looking as if you are uncertain about your own words. And yeah, I want to tell you this too. When you are explaining yourself in your shortest, most direct way, in giving an explanation, you are giving a reason. You are not requesting acceptance. Those things aren't the same. I'm not asking you to accept my decision. I care enough about you to share a reason. But your acceptance is not necessary because it is okay for me to conclude that someone is not good for me. Right here is a good place for us to pause. And as we pause, I want to share these words with you. Directly as I wrote them. Loved ones, prayerfully, you have been following the sessions. And you have already been mentally scanning the faces in your personal network and coming to a place of decision regarding the people presently in your circle. Honestly, I would not be surprised if some of those decisions are tough ones. However, before pulling the trigger, at least hear me out during our next session. I don't want to release you to begin dismissing people without properly instructing you on the fullness of what God has for me to say to you concerning this topic. So before you rush out and begin doing what we all need to do regarding our circle, at least hear me out next session. 
Well, Pastor, I started last Thursday. <laughs> That's all right. Just, 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 throttle, just throttle it back. Throttle it back until after next week. And then if you still, if you still got the green light after next week, go ahead and push the throttle all the way and go ahead and do what you got to do. But I really want you to please hear me, to scan your circles. You're going to have some mature decisions to make. But we'll give you more next week. Until that time, I love you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person who has taken the time out to really hear your word and investigate the people who are in their lives. It's not necessarily the case that those people are in our lives thinking that they're doing anything wrong. Under most circumstances, God, those people have been there for however long they've been there with our permission. I pray that you give everybody the inner strength to when the time comes to have the discussions and conversations that they need to have to put themselves in a position to be surrounded by people that will help propel, propel them to a better life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. I'm making sure mm, that I've shared with you everything God had on my heart to share with you. And the part that I want to make sure it comes across loud and clear and at this, I will, I will close my prayer with an amen. People who are in your life, especially those who have been in your life for a long time that really don't have a clue that they're having a negative effect on your life, even you didn't know it until you looked at it with a fresh set of eyes. Just know that they deserve to the best of your ability to not be damaged. It's not our intent to damage anyone. That's why it's going to be important for you to hear us out next week. 
I'm not asking you to turn back on the decision and everything that we've talked about, about making sure that the right people are in your circle. That is, no, there should only be the right people in your circle. But please, sometimes we go out with a lot of gusto when we hear a word and we want to apply it to the fullest extent of the law. Mm, thank you, God. And I pray I remember to say this next week. When you go in to have your conversation, in your preparation, take a moment to consider if that wrong person were you. That's what I want to say. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.